0: What is Off The Groove? It means you've blown the line or you're pushing the limits a little bit too far or just maybe you might be looking for a faster way around the racetrack. Off The Groove
1: with Scotty Dubler.
0: Daytona TT just wrapped up, which means the end of my seven-day stretch, five days in a row with Steve Nace racing and the All-Star National Flat Track Series. We came over here, had a media day yesterday, took a lot of pictures, you know, shook a lot of hands, had a little bit of fun, and of course some more meetings and uh, all the good stuff that goes along with being an announcer. And then today we come to the Daytona TT. Probably my biggest takeaway was the uh, impressive runs by all of our road racers. Some underdogs, Jake Lewis was running fast all day, fast qualified, sat on the pole of the main, uh, had to come from the fourth row. He ended up fourth just off the podium. Shane Narbone gets on the podium for the first time in his career. He was flying. Uh, probably my favorite ride, probably Ferran Cardus on the 377. He was very fast all night, actually all day. Uh, fell off on the first lap or early on in the race. Came from off the ground, got up to about the seventh or eighth spot before he fell off there on the last lap. So uh, hats off for Ferran riding very strong on the 377. In the Twins class, again, JD Beach comes out of nowhere, uh, jumps on the GG Yamaha, finishes second. It was actually closed up on Mies a couple times. Meese was stronger on parts of the track jd was stronger on some other parts of the track so great racing out there at the daytona tt and it was bigger it was better and definitely faster a much bigger jump a huge crowd out here had a good time this one's in the books and uh, we got a couple weeks off and then we'll head up to the atlanta short track this week's guest didn't fare so well at the daytona tt but has had some recent success here is 37 bronson Bauman.
1: What's going on, Scotty?
0: Hey, Bronson, what have you been doing, man? I haven't talked to you for a little while, uh, actually since uh, a couple of weeks ago, when you won the championship up there at Flat Out Friday in Milwaukee. What's been going on?
1: Uh, you know, after Flat Out Friday, I just kind of went back to Peoria, my girlfriend's house, and, uh, you know, your girlfriend, Alex, and then worked my What's way that? down to Pensacola, Florida.
0: What? Does, is everybody in Florida?
1: It sure seems that way. Uh Chad Coase made his way down here. Brandon uh, Robinson and uh, Jared Vandercoy have been down here for a while. Davis Fisher showed up the other night. So we got a good pedal in this morning, and uh, we're working on bikes today to burn them up tonight.
0: Well, you say you're working on bikes, but before we got on the call, you said that you were just a a spectator in the wrenching business today. So uh, you're not going to lend any hands wrenching today?
1: Yeah. I might, you know, depends on how well or if I feel like being a good guy or not. And uh most of the time I do um just kind of watch over everything and laugh and tell them what they're doing wrong.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you never stop talking then? I mean, you're, yeah, you <laughs> Yeah, <stop. laughs> it's it's
1: yeah, you know, uh, it's kind of a bad deal because I end up just telling them walk away and I end up doing the entire thing.
0: Right on. So you're originally from Salinas, California, make your, make your home now in Illinois. But uh, this one time I stopped by and there was a bunch of racers out there at your house, just like you're talking about what's going on in Pensacola. And you were the only one working on bikes. Everybody else was just kind of standing around, you know, racing, you know, bench racing.
1: Yeah, that's pretty typical. Um, I, I, I prefer working on all my own stuff. And when I see people doing stuff wrong, I tend to can't help myself and i jump in and start you know hey you need to do this oh forget it let me do it so
0: so you just um you're just a take charge kind of guy
1: yeah in a way so it it's kind of a bad deal when i go to uh the races and ride Bill, bill's bikes because i want to you know work on it I, that's where i come from i work on all my own stuff and bill's like no just sit down and relax i got this so um, definitely, kind of a take charge person. Well,
0: so you, you brought him up. I was going to talk to talk about him a little bit later on, but uh, your mechanic is the winningest mechanic in Grand National history. Um, you know, Bill Warner, and he won most of those races with the Harley Davidson factory. So, tell us what it's like working with him now and and riding a Kawasaki for Bill. It's it's honestly a huge honor because, like
1: you just said. He's the winningest mechanic there is. Uh, he has so many wins, so many championships. It's really an honor. And it's even making me a better mechanic, better tuner for myself at local races, just because he is willing to help me learn. And, you know, I transfer it over. I try to absorb every little bit of knowledge he's willing to give out, which uh, to me, it's quite a bit. So it's, really a huge honor to be riding for someone with his integration and just status of a mechanic. So
0: when you come off the track, does he just automatically start changing things or you, do you debrief with them a little bit or do you talk things over? Or you just, can you just look at each other and know, you know, something's got to be changed?
1: Um, certain tracks he, he just jumps on it then, or if he sees something that I can't really describe, uh, uh but majority of the time we debrief I tell him what I'm feeling and most of the time he he already knows it but he just wants to talk it over with me and he just gets right to work him and Johnny and uh it, it's you know having someone with that amount of knowledge he he does set up com- a total different way than I would ever think of and I go out and he you know come back in well did it fix that problem what's this like and 90% of the time, it's, you know, oh, my God, Bill, it's way better than what we were at.
0: So you're, you're talking about setups. Are you talking suspension? Are you talking about wheelbase or just all the, you know, everything?
1: Uh, all the above, honestly. Uh, he, he does his magic, you know. It's black magic, basically. He knows it, and uh, he's been in the sport forever, and he's had countless riders, and uh, it's really awesome.
0: Yeah, he's he's definitely he definitely knows what he's doing for sure. So uh, let's just jump into uh, getting to know Bronson Bauman. Like I mentioned earlier, you're from Salinas, California. There's a lot of fast guys from Salinas. How did you guys, uh, you and your your brother uh, Briar, we had him on the show before, but how did you particularly get started racing flat track?
1: Well, to be honest, it all kind of started out when one Christmas I wanted a go kart, my brother wanted a motorcycle. Uh, I burned all four tires up on the go kart. Said, you know what, Dad, I'm tired of listening. It's not fast enough. So I got my brother's old bike. He got an XR100. His old bike was an XR70, which I took over. And our neighbor actually asked if we could take their son's motorcycle to a race, which at that time was the Ricky Graham Memorial, uh, about 45 minutes south in King City, California. And we went there and I think I got dead last, my brother did the same, or we weren't too sure, we can't remember results, but we ran into some of my parents' old friends from high school. They were very involved in motorcycle racing, and uh, they said, we're going to a low-dive cycle bolt tomorrow. My brother and I were like, Dad, can we go? Can we go? Well, we didn't quite have right tire setups, and to be honest, after that, it was all downhill from there. We... Started racing every weekend, and, you know, typical parents got to have good grades to race. so it was a win-win. My parents got the good grades we wanted us to have. We got to go racing.
0: And that's a, that's a good story. Uh, so you, you, you grew up out there on the West Coast. You, you started racing at the national level, and then just recently, in the past couple of years, you and your mom and dad moved to Illinois. What's been the biggest adjustment for you from California living to Illinois living?
1: Uh, to be honest with Mexican food, um, that is my biggest downfall is Mexican food. I love it. And from California, there's so many out there that really know how to cook authentic, real authentic Mexican food. So coming here and having their Mexican food is just completely different. Um, another big thing is my friends, uh, my boys back home. I definitely miss them. You know, we'd meet up at least once a night and hang out when whether it's at my grandma's house or uh, the 7-Eleven parking lot, you know, typical teenage kid stuff. So definitely miss them back home.
0: I got you. Have, have you thought about learning how to make your own Mexican food?
1: Oh, I don't have to. My mom is a phenomenal cook. I'm, I'm not sure if you got to have any while you are at my house in California a while ago. But uh, uh, she she when we want Mexican food in Centralia, she cooks it because it's better than
0: anything you can buy. That's awesome. I didn't know that. I, I guess I don't even remember eating at your house. I think we spent the whole night out in the garage working on bikes and uh, you know bench racing and stuff, telling everybody who's faster and who and all that fun stuff. So uh, let's talk about the Flat Out Friday race up in Milwaukee. It was so impressive that you had the lead early. You fell off your motorcycle. I lost track of whatever position you were in. Next thing I know, Jake Mattia falls off 10 laps later. Then the double checkered flag comes out and you're the winner or the champion of Flat Out Friday Milwaukee. Walk us through your night. Tell us about how it all went down. You know, uh gotta start got to start off with practice.
1: Felt really good right out of the box. Um the Glenn's Auto Body 450 was phenomenal all night. We didn't actually change a single thing. Um I came off of the track from practice, first practice, and Bill, I started talking things over and Bill's like, No you're not changing a single thing. You're fast. And sometimes a rider needs that, you know, and I'm definitely one coming from bill Warner, legendary, the legendary bill Warner. It's like, all right, well, if I'm fast, I better not change anything. So second practice, still fast. We ended up setting fast time and qualifying when I didn't even feel that good, which every rider will tell you, ah, I didn't feel that good. Blah, blah, blah. Typical dirt tracker stuff, racer thing. So, we move on to heat race, one. Lat got the whole shot and just kind of, you know, put myself out front and stayed there, which is awesome. Um, our main event time comes around, which took felt like forever because they have such an awesome show with so many other things going on. It really did take a while for our main events to roll around. And uh, to pull a whole shot, which to be honest is kind of unlike me, I'm um, not the greatest at uh, start but the Glenn's auto body Honda 450 was on a rail all night. I got a whole shot pulled away and uh, caught up to lap traffic. And in my opinion, I started riding tight and not performing the way I needed to, because I knew, I know concrete indoors. I've raced many of them and I know one little mistake. Second place could be right there in a matter of a split second. So I started working my way through Jake Mattia was on a rail as well. Um, I made a little mistake. He got by me, and a few laps later, I actually crashed, like you said. Uh, that was a huge heartbreaker, but when I picked the bike up, I was looking around. I was like, man, I'm pretty sure I'm still in second. So, typical racer, I got my stuff back up. I gathered my thoughts together and just started putting down hard laps again. I come around a few laps later and see Mattia back on the ground, and I was, I was just mind-boggled because I was like, man, I'm going to win this thing. And, uh, I just started writing even tighter, which a lot of racers will say it's the worst thing you can do is overthink. And that's what I was doing. And to come around and get the double checkered flag was unbelievable. Um, it felt great to win that one. The Charlotte, Charlotte King's Memorial, um, is really awesome. Uh, I've n- never actually won a pro concrete indoors. So to check that one off, you know, uh, list is really, really good feeling.
0: Do you think that's probably the biggest win of your career so far, or do you got a bigger one in, in, in your back pocket?
1: Uh, I mean, that one, uh, the Don Tilly Memorial race in Charlotte in 2015 on aboard Dan Daffner's XR750 was really big for me. And then actually what I think is still one of my all-time best state racing was at Amtron Nationals, actually. Um, I won all three TT races on the TT, which – I felt really um, good about because, you know, that doesn't really happen to amateur nationals. There's so much talent there that you may win one race and two other riders win the other two classes you're riding, riding three classes a day.
0: Yeah, that, uh, you know, winning at the amateur nationals, definitely, uh, definitely hard to do, especially if you can do it three times. So that's pretty cool. So let's jump into uh 28 or 2017 just a little bit. You got a fifth place at the Daytona TT, which is a brand new track. You backed it up with the fifth place at the Buffalo chip TT. You just mentioned you did good at the TTs at the amateur level. Uh, am I supposed to call you a TT specialist? Uh, to be honest, I I would
1: say I, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I am better on TTs. Uh, and that's all thanks to Bruce Johnson for teaching me how to woods ride. I I'm going to tell you a story. Back when I was on a 65, we went to Lodi Cycle Bowl. They were running a TT, and uh, I believe it was one of my first ones ever. My dad comes – I come off the track, my dad asks me, he goes, did you use your front brake? And I was the proudest kid. I said, not once, Dad. You know, little kid (laughs) grinning from ear to ear, thinking it was good that I did it. Um, uh, Up until my 85s, I got to go out woods riding with Bruce, and that just – Accelerated my TT, and I loved him even more because I I know if I line up to someone, I look over and see who it is. I'm gonna say I'm gonna do my best out, break them going in the corner. I I know I'm uh, one of the top TT riders. Nothing um, you know taken away from the guys that we race against because I still haven't you know won many TTs. Like Henry Wiles, for instance, on Peoria, he is. He's the man to beat there, and that's one thing I strive to do: is beat Henry Wiles at Peoria TT, beat Brier and uh, my brother. And uh, I, I really enjoy riding TTS. Um, it, it definitely separates the men from the boys,
0: I think. So learning, learning to use the front brake was definitely a big advantage for you.
1: Yes, out in the woods, you gotta, you gotta be able to read the terrain, know when to break. and if you've never been on that trail before you got to kind of think on your feet because you can get into trouble real quick, which I have before. And I've learned my lesson many times I've ruined quite a few motorcycles out in the woods, but uh, <laughs> it, it definitely,
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, it's a bad deal. Um, I've ruined a lot of stuff, but you definitely got to be able to think on your feet. And I think that's what helps me on my TT and just knowing how to use a front brake a lot better than someone else who's, for instance, may have never been out on in the woods. And I really think that's what's helped me so much throughout my career because to this day, I still, one of my all-time favorite things, even more than racing, is going out with my buddies in Clear Creek or Stony Ford and going and riding trails and just goofing off. You know, it's one of the best things you can do because, for one, there's no pressure. You can ride all day and just have a blast.
0: That sounds like a lot of fun. It's it's good to go ride when when there's no trophies or no money on the line. Just push you know push yourself as hard as you can. I think that's really good training. Uh, let's let's talk about you made six main events in twenty seventeen. Was that a successful season for you, or were you looking for more? Not at all.
1: I was definitely looking for more. Um, I to be honest, Scotty, it, it was a really rough season for me. Um, starting off at Daytona, you know, taking fifth on my own bike that. uh, Be honest, a lot of people don't know this, but my grandma helped me buy this motorcycle, and right after the Daytona TT, she passed away, and uh, it it was a rough go the first couple rounds, uh, resulting in a mechanical in the semi at um, the short track in Atlanta, and uh, I got a call from Dan Daffner to ride his XRs once again, which I have had success on. I was really excited about it, and uh, we went to Charlotte together. I was riding a bike that I never rode before and we struggled a little bit, you know, the day had a lot of highs and lows, but it never really came around in our favor. And then the rest of the season, um, I kind of blame it on myself. I, I, not that I wasn't physically fit, I wasn't mentally fit. Um, I have learned a lot this past season and, uh, it was like I said, a lot of highs and lows and it just wasn't a good season for me. So, Definitely looking for improvement.
0: Well, like you said, after Daytona, you missed quite a few races in a row. Then you got back on the right track at uh, what, Oklahoma City with the 15th and then a 10th at Lima. So uh, about midway through the season, you started making the main events again. So it seemed like things started clicking a little bit. Is that maybe when you got hooked up with Bill Warner, or when when did that happen?
1: Uh, it was actually right after I put in my first mile main event aboard Dan Daphner, with Harley-Davidson Staten Island team, XR750, Uh, It resulted in a mechanical failure, um, and Bill and I were talking, and uh, I was ready for a change, hoping, you know, for better. We come out to Lima. I qualified horribly, and Bill and I worked uh, all night, actually, to get the bike to a 10th place bike. I almost think it was better, Um, but Lima is brutal, and to be honest, I wasn't 100% physically fit. And which I have changed, you know, I've been on a diet this entire off season. I've been training and, uh, so I'm ready to go back to Lima again and see what we can do. But yeah, it definitely helped knowing I was riding for one of the all time grades, having so much confidence in him and the motorcycle. And we brought it up to 10th place at Lima. So, um, we missed a few more main events when we came back to a TT and, uh, it was, you know, Buffalo chip we did great there considering we were on the second row taking fifth place. I was really excited. Um, we had some mechanical issues at the Sturgis half mile and we thought we got them figured out once pure TT got, I believe ninth there. And, uh, we're on the right track again. We go to Springfield and, uh, qualified decent at my standards and, uh, we actually were up to second place at one point in time in the semi, which I think that was kind of uh, an eye opener to everyone there because it's, you know, I'm, I'm a type of rider that a lot of people don't really count in for the main event. And I was up there at the front run with Sammy Halbert, Jared Meese, and Jeffrey Carver, you know, the top riders. So well, that was a huge confidence booster. And uh, we ended up taking 12th there for my first time on the Springfield Mile, which I was
0: very excited about. Yeah. I think you got, you got to be excited for, you know, running up there with the pack. Let's talk about 2018 a little bit. What is your goals going into the season?
1: Uh, you know, get it. To be honest, I really think I can do more top fives. Um, top tens Making main events is going to be my biggest battle. Be consistent in the main events. Um, I, of course, every rider wants to, you know, win every single race, like Jeremy's how he was so dominant last year, but, uh, my goal is to make as many, many events as possible and do the best and just improve. And that's the biggest thing is improvement. You know, um, the past two seasons was my first couple of years on twins. I've learned a lot. I'm ready for the season and uh, I'm better than ever.
0: Do you have one track you're looking forward to the most? Uh, you know, you said, you, you know, fifth at Daytona, fifth at Buffalo chip, are those the top on your list?
1: uh i to be honest, i really can't answer that uh i i love the tts that, that's hard to beat springfield mile definitely kind of has a special place for me right now considering that was one of the best finishes i had on a mile um I, it's more so i'm looking through improve everywhere and show people that i can i can run with these guys
0: so you said you've, you've mentioned a couple of times that you're working on your, your physical fitness. Uh, you've lost some weight. I know you're riding a lot more. What, what else are you doing?
1: Uh, to be honest, I, all of this is thanks to my girlfriend. She is huge in supportiveness of my racing. And she goes, listen here, you idiot. You need to eat better. You need to actually train. You can't just be all off talent. And, I kept blowing it off, and I've actually moved in with her and her entire family, which has really turned my program around. I've been in the gym quite a bit and eating healthy, and uh, it's I feel a lot
0: better about myself. So um, she's been a huge, huge aspect in it all. And she races too, so does that help? Do, you know, Do you help each other? Does, are you helping her with her race program too, or just just she's just focusing on you right now uh
1: we go to the gym together we do our our separate workouts but uh i i definitely am trying to help her as much as possible as she helps me you know uh, she as a lot of people say she's a backbone for me she um keeps me almost straight and narrow and i want to repay that because she is you know for one my girlfriend kind of got to do that right um, yeah, absolutely so I, I I try and you know help with bikes and when we go riding hey try this try that just you know give her little pointers try and help set up the bike better for her and just little things that may amount to a lot to her
0: improvement on the track so I think the biggest way or the best way to repay her would probably give her a victory lap at a Grand National what do you think about that? yeah it,
1: that would be huge. Um, that, that really would be huge. I think you'd have to get in line with bill for that one though. Um,
0: you could probably do a couple you know, of laps. I think, I think they'd probably let you do that.
1: You know, honestly, if I, if I won my first international this year, it, I'd be taking five or six laps, you know, trying to repay everyone, my mom and dad, uh, bill, Alex, whoever's there. they're going to get on. I mean, I'll, I'm not scared to put five, six people on a bike. It's been done.
0: Yeah, well, I I know, and I know uh, you you'd be the one to do it for sure. So your girlfriend is oh, Alex yeah. Camp. I, I know she's going to be listening. So Alex Camp, uh, she's number twelve, and she is a fast amateur rider. Um, how how did you meet Alex? I don't even remember. I don't remember the story.
1: Uh, to be honest, we met at a at amateur nationals. Um, I was, it was my first year pro, uh, hanging out in Illinois. Um, it was before my parents and I moved there. It was in two thousand thirteen. We were actually at the half mile. I was racing my 450, just kind of having fun, but also learning a little bit more about cushion half miles. And uh, a uh, guy's easy up was getting carried away by the wind. And I ran over there and helped her. And uh, we kind of, you know, did each other, you know, the teenage smile and kind of walked away and thinking whatever we were thinking at the time. And at the TT, um, The next day at Amateur Nationals, um, we'd walk by and smile at each other, but none of us were, you know, gutsy enough to actually talk to each other. And she was actually the one who came over and asked me what hotel we were staying at and uh, told her, but I ended up not staying there that night or something. Being a broke flat tracker, I had to find somewhere cheaper. So I ended up asking for her phone number and it all kind of went downhill from there. It's kind of a bad story
0: downhill or uphill (laughs) depends on who you ask i guess right exactly yeah so um, (laughs) So, i love it it's a good story so earlier we were talking about flat out friday and, and i've got one more question on there uh a lot of people rely on the stopwatch no matter what track we go to uh there you actually do one bike at a time qualifying did you like that format i mean i know it's something different we used to do that back in the day did did you did you like one bike at a time qualifying
1: you know i've never really cared for it i've done it Uh, a few times and I really don't because me personally, I'm faster when I'm chasing someone. And that's what I said. That's what I refer. I should have referred to when I said, I didn't feel that fast when I fast qualified. Um, so I would have rather chase someone and then be like, all right, yeah, I was fast and be, you know, it makes, it helps me hit my marks better and charge forward.
0: But what what if you get behind a slow guy and you're out there in qualifying? Then 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 what?
1: You, you got to move him out of the way, Scotty. He can't be scared.
0: <laughs> okay, I was just I was just asking. I wanted to hear it straight out of your mouth, you know. So. Oh yeah, uh, I Both, uh, I got some ra- some random questions. We tried to ask. Who do you think is gonna be your toughest competition in 2018?
1: Uh, I mean, obviously, Jared Mees. Uh, he was almost unstoppable this year, being on the podium every single race besides. One national where um, he he made a mistake, which it happens. So he's going to be the number one. Um, he's he's number one for a reason. So he's going to be everyone's toughest competition.
0: It's a good answer. I like it. Do you have a favorite racetrack? It doesn't matter if it's uh, you know on the national circuit, one you like growing up or one you you just seen on TV. Do you have a favorite track?
1: I love Old Peoria TT. It was one of my favorites just because. First couple laps, just getting ascended off the jump was always an unbelievable feeling. Then there's also Pomona Half Mile. I love that track because he first practice was unreal. I I really can't say I have a favorite. They all amount to the same because you have special memories there. You just love the track. So I really couldn't answer that, you know, saying, yeah, I have this one as my hundred percent favorite.
0: Perfect. Why are you number 37?
1: Uh, because Jimmy Wood, actually.
0: Um, I was 30, 30Z for
1: my Gen 2 or singles, whatever you want to call it these days, career, and that didn't really have a meaning behind it. Um, I I ran 30 because I was 309 W as an amateur, took the 9 and W off, and there came 30. Jimmy Woods is special to me because as an amateur growing up, since I was on 85, he was always one of the top pro riders at every, uh, local race that we went to and just watching him ride, he was so unbelievable. And I always wanted to be able to, um, turn the front end under like he always did. And he, he was just always a super nice guy and fast. Well, he retired and, uh, it 37 was available. So I figured to keep it 37, um, I still claim I'm from California to, so to keep the 37 in California was huge for them. So uh, it, it's kind of an honor to carry it because of him and also a good friend of ours, Steve Hill, AKA driver.
0: So. Sure. Driver, huh? you going to elaborate on that a little bit. Uh,
1: it, his name's Steve Hill. To be honest, I, i'm not allowed to say the story of where he came up with driver so uh okay all right he drives you he drives you to the
0: races how's that yeah that that works okay okay all right so So, uh you picked up a new trophy up there in milwaukee what do you do with all your trophies
1: uh to be honest um as an amateur we kind of just gave them away and even as a pro rider now uh an expert as i'd call it um I really don't collect trophies that much. The trophy from Milwaukee was really cool. Mama tried; it was actually a set of brass knuckles. So that one's definitely going to be held onto for a long time, just because of who knows when you're ever going to get a set of brass brass knuckles for winning a race again. I, th-
0: I think you should mount that to your the hood of your box van to be your your hood ornament. You know, look what I did. Get out of my way.
1: <laughs> yeah, I actually sold my box truck uh, box van this. Uh, past season, it was uh, getting a little too expensive to driver the races anymore. So.
0: So what'd you so get? A, you little, went. a little bitty car now? What are you doing?
1: I wish it probably would have been a smarter move, better gas mileage. Uh, I actually picked up a new uh, GMC Savannah, you know, typical dirt trackers and their cargo vans. Yep. So right going to be uh, rolling through Pensacola here anytime, playing ice cream truck music. So.
0: Perfect. You know, Perfect. free candy, free puppies. Perfect. Yep. You got the you got the little handlebar mustache growing too, so everybody knows to look for you. No, uh, no, everyone.
1: Whenever I grow facial hair, especially mustache, everyone refers to me as my dad. You know, um, he, he's kind of known. <laughs> I got Jared Vanderkoy over here just being, you know, the goofball he is. So,
0: Captain um, Chaos I was referring
1: to. Yeah, Captain Chaos.
0: That's it. Yeah. He's gonna be throwing some haymakers like Jake Sh- Shoemaker this year. Oh yes, you've already he's already calling it out already. He's calling his shots.
1: Oh, he is. He's him and Rob McClendon, you know. But Robbie Bobby's only a 100
0: expert, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's, what do you think about what do you man, think about Van new nickname, Captain Chaos? What do you think about that?
1: I don't think it really fits him that much because he he's a pretty consistent rider. So where where's the chaos come from? Unless you know, there's people spying on him at the motocross track. Like,
0: it's pretty chaotic. Okay, well, it came from the Harley Davidson camp, as far as I know. So I'll have to wait. Maybe he'll uh, live up to his nickname in 2018. A couple more for you. What's the funniest moment from
1: 2017? Ah man, to be honest, I really don't know because as a lot of people say, my life's a joke. So i guess my life i, I really don't All know
0: right i haven't heard that answer yet i love it so, so i got one, one more for you one more for you if you were put in charge of the aft series for just for one day what would be the first thing you would change
1: oh man i can't really say that but uh it definitely be the format um you know top four out of heat races go directly to the main event then however remaining in the semi transferred directly to the main event that was a way better format than what it is now bring back the dash for cash
0: right on i like it bronson thanks for your time i appreciate you stopping by here and talking to us on off the groove and have fun with all those crazy motorcycle riders down there in pensacola
1: uh it's definitely gonna be a ride we're getting uh we're getting 450s all dialed in to do some riding tonight and it's awesome just
0: because
1: you know how it is everyone's here to push each other so might as well see what we're all made of
0: sounds good thanks a lot for your time and we look forward to watching you in 2018 yeah not a problem thank you very much Ronson bauman ladies and gentlemen
1: it's much appreciated what you guys are doing for us i mean it's another way for us to get our names out there and uh yeah i mean i definitely appreciate it You know, listening to everyone's uh, stories and interviews, it's huge.